everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fan with the Fanbite Podcast. We are here, we are hyped up on turkey or somethings, and we Tofu! Are, tofu, we are... Yeah, I'm allergic to turkey. Sorry, uh, to, tofurkey <laughs> is definitely the uh, preferred nomenclature in this part of the world, which tofu. is where I'm I'm also at. allergic to tofu. Are you allergic? Is that true? Yeah. Nikki Grayson. Oh, no, Nikki. So the soy allergy. <laughs> Social uh, media editor at uh, fanbite.com is allergic to turkey and tofu and uh-huh. uh, air, as it turns out, oxygen. I'm yeah. just going over shuffle, Aww. shuffle, shuffle, shuffle in my notes here. Uh, he does break out into a rash if he touches cardboard. Cardboard, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, Christmas is hard. Uh <laughs> Someone who is very concerned for uh, Nikki's medical well-being is Danielle Riendo, the senior editor of Fanbyte.com. Hi, I'm always concerned. I have a lot of concerns. You know what? That's fair. Have you looked out a window lately? It's bad out. <laughs> it's uh, rough out there. Watch out. And maintaining a stoic and professional silence and just an air of general, like, you know, professionalism, as always, is features and trending editor Merit Kay. Hey, I'm allergic to... Silver. Silver? Ooh. Oh, so the hedgehog or the metal? Oh, God. No, I mean, I, I love the hedgehog. Right. <laughs> Who doesn't? How do you cure your allergy to silver if you can't take colloidal silver, though? That's a catch-22, Mary. Oh, yeah. yeah. Y'all remember that guy who was taking it, like, all the time and turned blue? I do remember that guy. His name was <laughs> Tobias Funke. <What>? Oh. <laughs> No, this is this I is a real episode. guy. I was oh. like, "There's a real guy I that feel did like this." This, is, this actually happened. Yeah, right? no, it's a real thing. Name. Yeah, it, it super did. No one knows oh, his name. I see. Colloidal he silver. Looks, he looks like the girl in Willy Wonka who oh. eats the thing <laughs> and then dies. Uh, let's yeah. name let's name other people who turned blue that we can think of. There's um, what's his name? Uh, the guy in that Nickelodeon movie who they put the toilet cleaner around him. He's a famous actor. He's in John Dies at the End, which is Bob like... Bob Hoskins. Yep, that's the <gasps> one. I'm trying to remember his name. He's he's in Lady in the Water. John Dies at the End. He kind of talks like this. <laughs> Sorry? John dies he turned blue on a toilet? Wait, movie. what? No, he was in a pool and some like rapscallion kids um, put the blue stuff that you put into a toilet into the pool and it turned him blue. In, in what? Paul like, you Giamatti. can't do that on television or something? Uh, no. That was Paul Giamatti, huh? Yeah, Paul Giamatti was the one. I forget what movie. Paul? Paul Giamatti of Billions? Is he in Billions? <laughs> Listen, I only, so everybody <laughs> needs checks sometimes. Big Fat Liar was the name of the film. Uh, oh. He does look like the genie from Aladdin in these images. Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit like that. I am going to just... Oh, Oops, look at this. Oops, just now pop this, that right into Discord. This was a Frankie Muniz movie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so he's a blueberry. He's a he blue man. Is he the villain in this film? Yes, I'm pretty sure. He, I think he is the titular big fat liar of Big Fat Liar. <gasps> okay. Uh, it was also... The movie came out in 2002. It also had... That's Kim the year I Thompson, graduated high school. Uh, Amanda Bynes, Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti, some other people. Keenan was in this movie. Keenan was Keenan. in this film. No kill. Yeah, this was a this was a Dan Schneider joint. So was uh, Donald Faison. Mm-hmm. Oh, of Scrubs fame. Scrubs oh. alum. Oh my god, Donald. In the Donald, TV show. <laughs> Donald Faison's fucking Wikipedia image rules 
Because he's standing in front of... (laughs) (laughs) He's standing in front of a picture of a different person, Uh but his head fills the entire face, so it looks like he has two sets of hair. There is a... The the woman behind him, though, the fake woman, the image of the woman, is like kind of like jauntily peeking over his shoulder as if a 12-foot tall giantess is like about to just like pop out and scare him, like playfully. I don't know. That's way too specific for me. Uh, what was that other... He was in that one movie with the airplanes or the aliens. Snakes on a plane. Yeah, that was Skyline. Sky, he was in Skyline. Sky... Wait, is that the one where the Earth disappears? No. there's nowhere to... Okay. It's the opposite. It's the... It's that everybody <laughs> outside starts getting beamed up like, by alien saucers, like, en masse. Like, just like, like the... the tube of people from World War Z but getting beamed up into uh, big UFOs and they're like inside an apartment for the whole movie like afraid to go outside because if they go outside they'll get beamed and that's the the people inside who get beamed die Uh, they don't know so that's why I think why they're scared I've not seen the film I only remember it because it came out like the same weekend as Battle Los Angeles and it was kind of one of those deep impact Armageddon type situations Ah. (laughs) and that's why it has stuck in my head for all this time neither of those films if I'm not mistaken great movies uh, oh, oh! The people who made that uh, movie also made Volcano. They did a banger of a film. Oh, that oh. is a banger. So here's the thing: in August 2010, it was reported that Sony Pictures Entertainment was contemplating legal action against Colin and Greg Strauss, the directors of Skyline and the owners of Hydraulics. Uh, that's just H Y D R A U L X with no I in there. Films. Mm-hmm. And film spells of special Z. effects, mm-hmm. uh, fellas. Sounds like yep. It does. Sony paid Hydraulics to generate visual effects work for Battle Los Angeles, but Hydraulics never informed Sony the siblings were directing a rival alien invasion feature, similarly driven by special <laughs> effects. As if you know, you know, like uh, unlike all those other modern sci-fi alien movies that don't have any special effects in them whatsoever. Um, right. did they, this months. is a, this is a true situation where it's like, did they just not think that anyone would know? <laughs> Like, like, did they just think that when the when their movie came out, what had the aliens in it, that Sony was just gonna be like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, you <laughs> like, know what? Okay, cool. Th- those are two very different films. One has Turk from Scrubs, and the other does have Aaron Eckhart. So, oh, so you know, that's the real dichotomy right there. Scrubs is a good show, though. Scrubs yeah, is it is great. a good show. I have no problem with Scrubs. It's like a fairly realistic show, to be honest. That's what I've always heard about that show. It's like it's actually yeah. weirdly like one of the most accurate medical shows like in history because it's just like yeah, ninety nine percent of the time you're just bored and waiting for something to happen and trying to like make your day go by, or just it's stupidly overworked and it mm-hmm. makes you stupider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's genuinely that is what being a medical resident is like. I, I'm not a medical resident, but I dated one for four years. So. I was going to say, you're probably the closest thing on a, a bell curve <laughs> to a medical resident that we have on yeah. this show. I was with my ex the entire time through her residency, so wow. I, I, I know more than I should. Gotcha. <laughs> that basically means you're a doctor, I think is how Yeah, clearly. Right. Yes, yeah. clearly, yes. Uh, you may address me as Dr. Riendo. <laughs> <laughs> the wild thing about Scrubs is that they bought a hospital for that show. Oh, did, wait, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. the the hospital that they filmed in in LA was like a closed hospital, huh? And it got to the point where NBC was just like, "We're gonna just buy this," and then they filmed it in that hospital. Wh- what did and they? And then s- once the once the like the show ended, I think they tore it down. I think the hospital is no longer there. I was gonna say, what about all the 
What about all the sick people? What about what did they do with them? <laughs> oh, it was when they bought the hospital. They did have to evict all of the people inside. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Finally. Now, now we, we get might to the be heart sick, of that. but we're making a movie. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's actually a television show, but uh, you know. It's a moving picture. It's a moving picture. It's fine. It's fine. You're going to be dead in five minutes, so you're not going to care about the difference. (laughs) (laughs) How was your guys' Thanksgiving? Did you watch Skyline or Battle Los Angeles, the two (laughs) Thanksgiving films? Oh, I watched a Thanksgiving film. Oh, okay. I actually watched two Thanksgiving films. Mm. I mean, I watched many, but these two were Thanksgiving-themed. Or uh, thematically appropriate for Thanksgiving. One of which was the absolute, genuine, real-life classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm. a.k.a. the the John Hughes classic starring John Candy and Steve Martin as a couple of guys who get stuck on an airplane that has to land. They need to go to Chicago. They're coming from New York. And they go through travel hell. And they, you learn a lot about friendship and the meaning of family. Uh, and the other one being Angel Has Fallen. The uh, third mm, movie ah. in the Olympus Has Fallen series about a man, Gerard Butler, who is a uh, Secret Service agent who goes above and beyond the call of duty. Oh. This one had Nick Nolte as his dad, and that was definitely the best part of this uh, entire thing. Okay. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen, amazingly, somehow one of the exact movies that we were just talking about because it came out at the same time as White House Down. It did. A film that had yep. Jamie Foxx in it as the president who has a line that is, I quote, uh, the pen is mightier than a sword and then he takes the presidential pen off of the desk and stabs a man with it. That is that is the kind of movie that both of those movies absolutely are. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> I feel like White House Down was kind of the one that like leaned into the ridiculousness more, whereas like Olympus Has Fallen, wasn't that one a little bit more? Well, Danielle, as the expert on the Fallen trilogy, <laughs> can, is, how serious are those films? Do they so actually? My family weirdly loves these. Mo- I mean, so my family loves a lot of bullshit, and I think everybody kind of knows this bullshit. My mom, by the way, is like the biggest fan of like the just schlockiest fucking action movies mm. you can think of in life. Uh, so we do this at Thanksgiving. This is sort of a Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, we will watch something that's actually thematically appropriate. Then we will watch really stupid action movies that's thematically appropriate to our family. Uh, so yeah, they're kind of self-serious, but I think this one, because it's the third one in the series, uh, and it's, you know, they're a bit more serious, but this one really kind of gets funny, especially towards the end. There's a lot of, like, genuinely goofy shit that happens. Like, Nick Nolte plays, uh, whatever the hell Gerard Butler's name in the movie is, uh, his dad, who... And they're both, like, war vets, and they both have, you know, stuff kind of going on. Uh, and and war dad lives stuff. out in the woods. Yeah, I mean, they actually sort of semi-seriously uh, talk about PTSD and, oh. and, and things like that, which is like, all right, that's, you know, that's something. At least you're acknowledging this uh, in your movie about blowing shit up. Uh, but but Nick Nolte's character lives in the woods because he he felt like he, he couldn't damage people around him. Uh, however, he also surrounded his cabin in the woods with, like, more dynamite than, like, the U.S. Army actually has. Hmm. And it's a point of great joke. It's played up for a joke. Like, this dude seriously blows up tons of bad guys he just keeps having dynamite, and he keeps having dynamite, and he keeps having dynamite. And it's like, they they know they're over the top, and it's kind okay. of tongue-in-cheek at that point. So, yeah. Uh, Long explanation, but uh, <laughs> it it's, it knows what it's doing, I think. My, my final question about uh, Olympus Has Fallen, slash Angel Has Fallen, um, slash London Has Fallen, 
uh, <laughs> which is, that is <laughs> the in, trilogy. Yes, you the, know? Tri- the trilogy. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the rich tapestry, the serialized storytelling of the Fallen trilogy. Um, so they did Olympus Has Fallen, which was the president was attacked, or the White House was. Uh, I guess the White House was on Olympus in this. Morgan Freeman is a president. Because that's mm-hmm. that's so what he plays Morgan now. Morgan Freeman is the president in the third one, yeah. Oh, he's the president in the third one? Is he not in the first one? I no? think he is another character in the first. I haven't seen the first one in a couple of years. Okay. So well, uh, we're working with like a, <laughs> a basic understanding here. I think Aaron Eckhart is the president in the first mm, one. Okay. And then in the second movie, they did do a Shanghai Nights to a Shanghai Noon, taking that from the west to the, yes. up to the slightly less west across the pond. Uh, Correct. They went east. Bad stuff happened They stayed in in the west. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What, who is the titular angel and why have they fallen? Uh, Well, the angel has fallen refers, I think, to uh, the, the, the president, right? Like the angel is, is the, you know, the, the thing you protect. Okay. Like the angel has fallen, you know, Olympus has fallen, I think referred to like the stronghold. Of the, of uh, and the White London House. has fallen, of course, refers just to London. Okay, yeah. They did try to be a little <laughs> then, bit more literal on that one. They did drop some of the poeticism of Olympus has fallen <laughs> and then came back in the third act they came for back. that one. They came back. Because the, the president does fall oh. in this one. In fact, he, he uh, is attacked. I'm sorry for the spoilers mm. uh, for this oh, no. beautiful film. Uh, but he is attacked and he, he falls. I'm not going to say that he falls permanently, but he, but there is a fall. A fall is done. Mm, so. Okay. A fall is a foot. <laughs> a fall is indeed a foot. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then you said you watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a movie I've never seen, but I hear it's I hear it's quite uh, genuinely great. Uh, it it certainly is thirty years old. You know, thirty two mm. years old, whatever it is at this point. So some of the humor, eh, you know, there there are some things that are slightly questionable, but. Generally, it is an actual delight of a film. Very funny and very much... uh, It's just like two truly great 80s comedians in the perfect movie for both of them. Right. Uh, And yeah, and it's about how travel is hell, which I think, you know, everybody agrees on that. No one likes airplanes, aka, as I call them, giant fart tubes. Yeah. And nobody likes uh, long, you know horrible road trips with somebody who's real annoying and maybe sets the car on fire. So Ooh. that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I mean, in, in a way that actually sounds like the perfect holiday movie to me in sense of just like... It is. It's, <laughs> it seizes on the one thing that we all can agree. Even if we like our family members, we all hate going to see them. Yes. We yes, enjoy indeed. it. And, it. and it's about Thanksgiving. It is about oh. going to a Thanksgiving dinner with one's beautiful family uh, and, and the trials and tribulations of getting there. It's it's a it's a classic. I really do recommend uh, still that people see it. It's well, there is a uh, two days after this goes up, after this podcast goes up. There is a uh, ongoing new series that we are doing where we are uh, watching films. Uh, so maybe that's something to add to the list at some point in the future. Yeah, you know, that might be a good one. That might be a real good one. I'm I'm writing that down. I'm yeah. Writing it down. Merritt, you haven't said anything in a minute. How was your Thanksgiving? I did. I guess. You probably don't, like, I mean, not to say that, like, Thanksgiving isn't problematic and its own no, go on, go on. nightmare. <laughs> I was going to say that you're from Canada, so you don't have, like, you, you probably don't give a shit about, like, So American just because I'm from Canada mm-hmm. means that I don't do Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I see yeah, all Canadians know each other, and you don't do Thanksgiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I just want to say that uh, all I know about planes, trains, and automobiles is that the dashboard melted but we still have the radio mm. because yep. that is 
a line in a Modest Mouse track called Dashboard mm-hmm. off Dashboard. a late 2000s album. Good. Uh, we still have the radio. Good track. Good track. I mean, um, it's that's a great line from that movie. Hot tunes. That's, that's a, and, I listened uh, to that al- Merit. I listened to that album probably mm, a thousand times. It came out. Oh, at the exact oh yeah, no, I. That was a college banger. Yeah. Uh, soundtrack for me, but uh, yeah, no, I did Thanksgiving stuff. Um, I uh, I did a couple of things actually. I went to a friend's place and had like a very low key civilized kind of thing, um, <laughs> except for the fact that someone brought a sword. Hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so someone had, had told a friend of mine, oh, bring you know what? And she had thought that that meant bring her Napoleonic sword, like her actual <laughs> antique sword. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not what they were referring to. I um, but I did get to play with a sword, and um, I picked up a sword, and people were like, Wow, you look really natural holding a sword. <laughs> Which I, is maybe the best thing anyone has ever said to me. I believe it too. I can picture <laughs> I don't even need a picture. I can picture it. My mental my mind palace has conjured it for me and it do, because it is so natural. The the combination well, does make you. so much sense. That's yeah, no that um Again, probably the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. But um and then I did go to another thing after that. And it um, degenerated pretty quickly. Oh, in a so, good way or a bad way? I mean, I mean, in a, like good, um, okay. good. Like no, nothing bad happened, but it wasn't what I think most people would picture if they if you say picture Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not this. Um, <laughs> I mean, it didn't have a sword there, so like I no, don't the know sword what... did come. Oh, it did come uh, with okay. the sword did come come to that thing as well, which uh, we kind of had to put the sword away pretty quickly because it became clear that someone might um, harm themselves. Okay. Someone might become a danger to themselves or others because of the sword. Did, did the sword take the subway or an Uber? Uh, it took an Uber. It, yeah, okay. it did take and an Uber. Did, okay. it, did the Uber driver have questions? No comments on the sword. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that we are in New York City? And um, they've probably seen much stranger things. More swords than... They've probably yeah. seen someone coming home completely twisted with yeah. a pile of swords. Uh, but yeah, no, it was like... Um, I don't know how much I want to reveal mm-hmm. on this podcast, but um, you're, you're saying that you brought an elegant weapon, but it was not a more civilized age. It was not. No, it got dark. Um, <laughs> like, God. like I would say it was kind of like a cracks giving kind of thing. Oh, um, so that was um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was good though. It was fun. Um, we watched um, a Fellini movie, and that was good. Okay. Oh, nice. Which one? Uh, oh no, actually, that was on Saturday that I watched that. But that was over the weekend, so that ah. still counts. Um, sure. It was. It's a holiday weekend. Uh, Casanova. Oh. And uh, that movie is fun because it's Donald Sutherland in a big prosthetic nose. Kind of like prancing around fantasy Europe, and um, 
at one point he's walking around and like in any out, every outdoor shot in that film is so foggy and you just see like a couple <laughs> of things and I was about to say that it looked like a video game and like someone else that I was with was like this looks like a fucking video game and I was like I know <laughs> this is some fucking Turok the Dinosaur Hunter Nintendo 64 <laughs> ass first person shooter fog field of distance like ass movie um huh. Boy, oh man, I'm, I've not seen this version of Casanova. I'm looking at some images of it now, and I think I might need to track it's down. a lot. Also, Fellini, like, definitely hated Casanova, and he's, like, taking it out on Donald Sutherland the whole movie. Oh, no, Donald. Um, <laughs> which is very, very funny. Um, he falls in love with an animatronic doll. Oh. Um, like like so, you do. Like, yeah. a, like a human-sized one? Yes, okay. yeah, like a, like a wooden sex doll. Also... Okay. I can't believe that Donald Sutherland is still alive. Yeah. He's I thought he, in there. he was definitely dead. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what I know. I mean, the weird thing about Donald Sutherland is I probably know him best from Kelly's Heroes, which is not probably Interesting. his most work. I mean, um, for me, I've never even seen Body Snatchers, but that image mm. was so circulated in my time as, like, as a young person growing up online. This sort of pointing and shouting. Yeah, yeah. That, that was everywhere. That that actually, now that you mentioned that, that version of Body Snatchers is real good too. Um, I think. It's, uh, it's, I, it's I have movie. heard that. Yeah. Oh, right. You said you literally just said you didn't uh, see it. So yeah, that was my weekend. I don't know what else did I do. Uh, I think I'm thinking um, of a version of Body Snatchers too. Oh well, whatever. Yeah, what you know. Are you thinking of the uh, the Spock one? Is it the Spock one? Is it there was like a '90s body invasion of the Body Snatchers? Oh right? yeah, that would would have been a different one. Yeah. I it's I'm thinking of that one. It's the lady. It's like her first role. She was that lady who was on burn notices in that one. Yeah, all the burn. Wow, there are a lot of uh, burn notice fans yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I have seen. I have seen things. I have engaged with media in my lifetime. Just not literally not with anything anyone else I have ever met has seen. Uh, <laughs> it's just. It's just. Oh right, because you watch. We had this whole discussion about uh, rewatching movies. Mm. And watching them by yourself versus watching them with other people. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Okay. Totally. It all makes sense now. I got you. Uh, Nikki? Or unless, uh, Merritt, did you did you have anything else uh, that you wanted to hit on before we moved on? No, I mean, I played some video games, but I don't know oh, we'll, we'll get to that. that. Don't, we'll get, get, to don't that. get me wrong. Nikki, how was your dual holiday weekend of uh, th- that boring old Thanksgiving and the real true holiday uh, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Nikki Grayson. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> it was good. I didn't. Thanksgiving's kind of a nothing day for me. Mm. Uh, like we, I do Thanksgiving, but it's like not actually are super you... exciting. I'm sorry. Are you Canadian? I am Canadian. Okay. So that is what makes me not celebrate that day. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, no, it's just like I just don't. I don't have. Uh, uh, a good relationship with food mm. so a whole holiday mm. based around food is, ain't my jam okay you know? so it's a whole it's a, it's a whole thing okay anyway so i did that and then i did my i did celebrate my birth mm-hmm. um by going to walt's walt's cool house right for the first <laughs> half of my day yesterday um narrowly missing the entirety of the cast of star wars uh <laughs> The Last Skywalker, uh-huh. uh, or whatever the fuck the movie's called. The Last Skywalker was... Awakens. The Last Skywalker yes, yes. Awakens. Um, 
So I did just miss the whole cast, but Chewbacca did give me a hug uh, in celebration of my birthday. And Aww. I do know that he did give me a hug to celebrate my birthday because he slammed the button on my chest that said happy birthday, Nikki, about four times before he gave me a hug. Uh-huh. Chewbacca, very itchy. Um, but it was good. That's yeah. all I did. That's all you did? You didn't like, you just like walked there, came home, dead silent the whole way back. <laughs> dead silent. Just complete silence. <laughs> just nothing else. We made carbonara and then I went to sleep. At That's 9 something. PM. Oh wow! Yeah, this uh, sounds great. Honestly, it ruled. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shit. That's uh, kind of what I did over the weekend. A whole bunch was just kind of sleep uh, and play some video games and uh, see. We had a conversation about what I did for Thanksgiving on on one of our stand up meetings yesterday, which I won't get into on this podcast. But uh, family is a whole thing, isn't it, folks? Family. Mm. Oh yeah. Family matters in bad ways and good. That's what I always say. That's my famous That's catchphrase. That's what the theme song says. That is what the theme song says. Uh, Carl Winslow does look directly in the camera and say <laughs> that family is sometimes good and sometimes bad. You can never tell which. And then it just cold opens on the show. Oh, boy. That's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, God, I didn't really do... Like, I seriously didn't do like anything this weekend, though. I just don't take a lot of time off, so I just kind of like took the whole uh, four-day, five-day for me span and just kind of... like fucked off and didn't didn't leave my apartment and uh, uh it snowed pretty bad here finally we got finally got our, our first major snow on i think friday of last week mm, excuse me uh and so it, it was a good excuse to just stay in and buy a bunch of switch games L- lots of stuff on sale on steam lots of steam sales lots of switch sales psn sales all that sort of stuff so i trolled through that a lot and did that i did watch uh the super mario brothers the motion picture at some point which is a whole thing Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, keen-eyed listeners will maybe be able to uh, determine that that is the the first episode of our sh- of our uh, movie show that we're going to be doing here uh, later this week. So stay Called tuned. Called movie show. Called movie show. Yeah, we thought we thought we would get untitled movie show. Untitled movie show. The first episode, weirdly <laughs> enough, about Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just, yeah, our that would just be us. Starting a fucking movie podcast and only talking about games. Yes. It's <laughs> like Jesus. the actual opposite of fan with. We, like. we have to cut this out because this is such a good idea. We have to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm okay. If you guys don't mind, let's maybe just get right into what we have been playing since uh, that's all I can really talk about. Uh, maybe want to start with uh, just circle right back around to Danielle. Oh, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> All right, look, I've talked about both of them before, but I have some new thoughts. Okay. All right? I think I might be married, uh, like, just, like, in life married uh, to Outer Wilds. Oh. Because the ups and the downs that I'm having with this game, the amount of emotional labor I'm doing, there's just the sheer amount of, like, how much we need to go to counseling together. Oh, no. is, Is truly truly groundbreaking i have never been this enamored with a game while also wanting to just smack it upside the head and be like why are you like this Mm -hmm. like at the same time this is this is just a rocky road i i'm still i i don't know how many hours i've put into this and we're at the point where we're now finally like allowing a little bit of hints just 
to kind of get through some of the brick walls because again we did it we did something wrong i'm playing it with vicky and like we we just completely went the wrong way for the first like 15 hours or mm. something and just i don't know how we did it but everything has been basically ass backwards and we're trying to sort of recoup and figure things out i have gotten better at flying okay so that's something that's, good. that's improvement mm. i'm not I'll- crashing as much also yeah. very much like being married. Yeah, exactly. You get better when you're at married, flying. you get a little better at flying. Right. That's how it works. Yeah, that's you get your marriage wings you, and uh, and that's how it works. When you date someone, that is when you get your medical license. When you get married, that is when they give you your uh, pilot's license. So, that yeah, makes sense. That's how my life has been. Right. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, everybody else's <laughs> your mileage vary. Uh, no, oh. but yeah. I Oh yeah. god, sorry. sorry. I choked on uh, <laughs> my coffee <laughs> when I heard that one. Anyway, yeah, it was I'm real sorry. No, everything. no, you know, Danielle, <laughs> we hired you for a very specific set of skills. Uh, and that was your knowledge of not the movie Taken, but in fact, the uh, Taken adjacent Olympus Has Fallen and your puns. So, uh, no, we knew what we were getting. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm glad to be here. I, I spent a lot of time with my dad in the last few days. It's it's just all... Oh, sure. Blame him. 100%. My dad... I just, I just, I'll make it brief. My dad is the most, so he's like a brilliant, like genuinely like genius level, brilliant person. Like he's like a lawyer and all this other stuff. Oh, wow. He enjoys crossword puzzles and making puns, but it, the puns can't be premeditated. He has to come up with them like in the moment. Like he never sits there and thinks of them. Uh, right. He gets like offended if people try to out pun him. So it has to be like in the moment wordplay. So anyway, I, I, it's, it's a lot. And uh, I am my father's daughter. And okay. I'm very proud. Uh, but yes. Okay. Uh, I really love this game. I really hate this game. I really, really just want this game to end at this point. I, I am absolutely playing it to just be like, I just need to see this end that everyone has told me is the most transcendent thing they've ever seen in a video game. <laughs> I <laughs> so need no pressure. to get there. We have sunk cost fallacy all up in here, and I cannot stop. And I, I'm playing it like for three or four hours every night, Ooh, and duh. still just wow, just yes. crawling along. And I'm sitting here like, I really need to play other games. I really need to play other games. I really do need to play other yeah, games. Yeah, Danielle, it's it's it is December third <laughs> when we're recording this right now. There's not I a know. lot of year left to consider yeah. game of the year games. I know, I know. This is gonna be on the list. But it's going to be on the list with a huge asterisk that also says, fuck you, Brittle Hollow, <laughs> a.k.a. Yeah. Shittle Hollow. Yeah, you I, can I, seriously I, kiss my ass. That is where it's I... It's your game of the year because it's the only game you did play this year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 2019's uh, game of the year. Game. Cut, uh, <laughs> cut forward to 2020 and you have put more hours in it than into the breach, but not because you're enjoying it, but because you are still stuck on Brittle Hollow. Honest to God, that might be the case. Oh, boy. That might be what happens. That might be what it is. Uh, <laughs> I also... Uh, so all all Thanksgiving weekend long, I was playing the Switch version of Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. We talked about it a whole bunch last week, so I'm not going to give the whole spiel other than the fact that, yeah, it's a cool narrative adventure game where you're walking around America, you're getting stories, and uh, it's very cool. It's like a very cool little thing that I know obviously probably most of us on this podcast are very familiar with or know or are friends with a lot of the writers on the game so you have to disclose that uh, 
I really kind of fell in love with it, though. I, I enjoyed it the last time I played it. Uh, it was like February of 2018, I think, you know, 200 years ago. And I've been really just sort of like found myself stealing away all the time during this weekend. You know, family being annoying. Oh, let me go play this game. Uh, dogs barking a lot. Let me go play this game. Oh, people are eating a lot of food and getting drunk. Let me go play this game. Um, so I kind of curled up with it as if it were like a, a nice little book and just enjoyed it like that. And it was the ideal way to play this game. I think uh, that this game is a very like personal and endearing and the sort of thing you need to physically kind of curl up with to get the full experience. And now you finally can, because it's on the Switch. Uh, playing it on PC is like totally fine and nice, but clicking doesn't have the same feeling as like pressing the screen almost to your face and just sort of being enveloped in that world. So. I really, really loved it uh, the second time around. I may end up actually kind of 100%ing it, which is wild, because there's something like 327 uh, tales to find all across America. But That's wild. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really, really good. Uh, disclosure, up the waz and all that, but it, I really enjoyed it. Sweet. Uh, Nikki. Yes. Did you play Did anything play special it? for your birthday? Um, I played this cool game called, um, I didn't play very many video games over the <laughs> holiday, uh, which, in, which is a thing that I usually do, and then it wasn't until yesterday, really, that I was like, oh, Ari, my job? Not a great use of four or five days, mm. um, but for my brain to reset, a very good use of four or five days. Yeah. Um, y'all, I know we talked about it last week. This Pokemon game mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that they finish the story of this game is the most high school I have an essay due in three hours shit <laughs> I've seen oh, no. in in an extremely long time. There's there's an entire um like okay, so if you played a Pokemon game before, there are or, or even if you haven't Basically, the way that they categorize, like, other trainers is that they have category names. So it's, like, the swimmers are called Swimmer Derek. (laughs) And it's, like, Swimmer Alex. But then the team, like, the the enemy team members, in this game, like, it's kind of, you, you think that, like, Team Yell is the bad guys, but then Team Yell's not the bad guys. But it isn't until I'm gonna just spoil the entire comp, like the entire uh, end I, of this game. I'm sorry, Nikki. Huge, I, I do, yeah, I rich don't wanna... narrative core of Pokemon <laughs> Sword and Shield. <laughs> I was gonna say, what the fuck are you talking about? Spoiling Pokemon Sword and Shield. But all There's, right, you go. You get into this very large elevator, <laughs> which is just it's just a big elevator. No, that's how and you know it's like... a real video game because <laughs> there's a part where you're on an elevator. And goons keep attacking you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've realized that that's what makes a real video game. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's bonus points if Otacon does call you up and say that the elevator weighs too much. And then you know that there are actually <laughs> invisible goons with you. God. Um, the, honestly, there is there is a throwaway line that is like the light in this elevator is what keep, it's what is able to make it stop. Like we they invented. There's a very Wait. throwaway line about how they invented hard light. Basically, oh my god, okay, <laughs> it's red dwarf now. Got it. Okay, it's so wild. Um, you basically there's you walk into a room. The champion and 
the Rose, who's the guy who owns the corporation that owns every other company, because monopolies are chill and good, and there's no regulation in Galar. <laughs> um, there's one company that owns all of the companies, uh, run by this one dude, Rose. You walk into a room, and the game does not give you a cutscene to to tell you this part of the story. Oh, also, sorry, key key to understand mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. entire. Uh, the entire climax of the game happens in the middle of the Elite Four fight. Because yeah. the Elite Four fight is not yeah. actually a linear situation. What? They've broken it out into this really weird tournament like really tournament situation. So you do two parts of it. You do the semifinals, which is just two like rival battles. And then you do what you think is the Elite Four. And it actually isn't the Elite Four. You just do two fights. And then after you do the second fight, it's like, all right, time to fight the champion. And they're like, just kidding. Uh, the world's exploding. And you're like, why, though? Uh, but why? But why is it exploding? You go over to the room, and the game, instead of giving you a cutscene, gives you six JPEGs. And then there's, like, dialogue underneath it that is like, hey, are you ready to help? In- institute the darkest day? And the champion's like, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I hate that it's come to this. Anyway, bye. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> And then he leaves. And then you go to the forest and you pick up a rusted shield and then you do more fights. And now I'm current, like literally as we do the pod, I'm currently fighting Rose in this really weird, lovingly rendered, like cave office science room situation. Uh huh. With a big egg in the middle of it. And I don't know why the egg is here. There's no explanation. I can explain that. Okay. Oh, why is the egg here? The egg is. I think you'll find out as soon as you beat him, but the egg oh, okay. is the egg of this um, Pokemon, like one of the big evil ones, uh, where he had been harnessing its power to provide energy to the region. But mm. but for some reason, it seems like what he's doing is being like, oh, we have to trigger, we have to, we have to trigger an apocalypse early because we're ready for it now. And if we don't, it'll happen down the line. And who knows oh. if they'll be ready. But that doesn't actually seem to be what's going on. He's just like, I'm going to do an apocalypse now. Okay, bye-bye. Um, <laughs> and I think his plan is like, oh, it's waking up. We have to get the champion to catch it. And then it'll be fine. It'll but, be a good guy then. Because it will be your servant. Oh, life. yeah, no. It, it's will is enslaved to your own right, at that okay. point. Oh, good. Um, yeah. This, like, hell demon. Mm-hmm. And uh, from hell... <laughs> from the it Christian lives, Pokemon from, from, Christian from the Yeah, from the distortion world, which is um, mm. where Pokemon Satan lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, but, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It was totally rushed and like um and is totally fake and the chairman is like not a character. The champion is no one is a character. No, not, there are no characters in There are no game. characters in this game. It's bust. Except I'm, no no no, sorry, there is one. Uh, ball guy, ball guy, ball guy is a character. Is a ball character. guy is my friend. Ball guy is a definite. He has a clear motivation. Uh, <laughs> in every scene that he's in, he, his goal is to give you a pokeball, and then he does that, and then the scene ends. Mm-hmm. Like that's what telling a story is all about, right? You need characters who have clear goals, and the scene ends when they either accomplish them or fail to accomplish them. <laughs> and ball guy is the only character in that game that satisfies that requirement, right? Clear motivations and clear complexion because his skin is just stark white. Oh all yeah, over. no, that isn't a mask. That is just his head. <laughs> it's yes. his human head. Can, can I talk about another uh, plot detail in Pokemon that's kind of like a throwaway thing on some sign that you read somewhere? Okay. You come across a sign 
in some roots and um it talks about dynamaxing mm-hmm. and it's like dynamaxing is a phenomenon in which pokemon warp the light around them to appear much larger than they are oh so like excuse me wait what sorry <laughs> wait sorry they're not big are you you're telling me they're not big they the just one cool thing for this game is the one alive? thing it's an illusion. You, it's like no, no, no. We they couldn't possibly be that big because a creature that large, um, its its bones couldn't sustain the weight of its muscles. That's impossible. No, it has to be a a, a hard light hologram. Oh, but it's a real bummer. Why? But why, why? though? Why it's Pokemon? though? Like they're big poke. They're just big. They couldn't. Oh my god! They that do... seems like a thing that someone snuck in at the end, like the treehouse. That in Japanese, that sign actually says, "Like, did you know the orange berries heal ten HP?" But the treehouse, <laughs> the treehouse was like, "Listen, we're gonna unravel this whole fucking thing uh-huh. right now." And then they they just uh, they put that in there. Couldn't make what Marnie cool. Open. Couldn't make the, one of the cooler looking. I will say some of the character designs in this game. I'm not nearly as far as either of you guys. Um, I think I'm, like, maybe halfway... Th- I, I beat the fire guy. I beat the, like, third yeah. gym. Um, yeah, uh, you beat fire Koga. Yeah. I did beat fire Koga. I did do that. Um, and what's his name? Rosa's, like, lab assistant lady has a look. She, Oleana? Like, yeah. Where she's got this, she like... She does some weird face stuff at the end of the game. Does she? Okay. Yeah. All right. It, the char- look, listen, the character models in this game would be great if there were characters attached. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I, I actually really like the way Bead looks, or Beady, or whatever. Uh, Marnie is obviously, like, Marnie is such a cool idea, and Team Yell is such a cool idea of, like, having, like, a, a team in this game that actually has nothing to do with the person they are supporting, but they yeah, just... Yeah, they're just soccer hooligans. They just really like her, yeah. and she's just kind of like, I don't really, I don't know what's going on with this. I'm just kind of, I've got my little uh, Morpico, and he's cool, hangry mode, am I right? Uh, but but the problem with Marnie is that she's like hangry mode. Am I right? And that's like her whole character. That's her whole personality is that she has a Morpico and like cool boots, um, and everything else is nothing. Yeah. There is also there is also uh, I, I I really don't have anything to talk else to talk about so we can move on. But like there are so many spots in this game that are it feels like there was resp- I don't remember if we talked about this last week. It feels like there was supposed to be voiceover mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. where it's just the characters talking to su- there's not even subtitles or anything. <laughs> it's just like extended like 5 to 7 second bits where the characters' mouths are moving, there's music but there's no dialogue. That that straight up does feel to me like a thing that was kind of like decided late in the process of making this game. It's like, okay, are we going to have voice acting or are we not? Do we make do we finally make the jump to having voices for these characters and stuff like that? Which, like, I mean, it's not like there's not very well written canonized Pokemon stuff out there with characters who have voices. Like the Pokemon yeah. anime has been running for thirty seven years now. Like it's not a it's not a <laughs> Breath of the Wild Legend of Zelda situation where anything where the characters talk Thanks. is like Buried. Yeah. Like the blood man. <laughs> right. The problem with the Breath of the Wild is the voice acting is very bad. Uh, but even something like that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mean to. Like, this game is fu- uh, ultimately, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. like, it's a, it's a fine Pokemon game. It is, it is a weaker uh, entry into the series. It is not how I'm sure anyone involved would have wanted the first Switch game to be. 
but it sold a bajillion copies. Of course it So did. who gives a shit, I guess. Yeah. The Switch is very successful, and Pokemon is a very successful franchise. It was always going to sell extremely well. <laughs> like, yeah. there was no getting around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Merit, did we go over what you've been playing besides Pokemon? What have I been playing besides Pokemon? Oh, I'm almost done Disco Elysium. Um, I had a bad time like, yeah. last no. night where um, I hadn't been quick saving because I'm not used to PC games where right. you quick save anymore. And um, it turns out that I hadn't saved for like two hours. And then uh, there is one part in the game where if you fail a roll, it does force you to just call Kim like a really heinous racist slur yeah um, oh, and at why? no other point in the game does it railroad you like that like it's always a conscious choice as to whether you want to be a fucking fascist dickbag or not um and i guess you could argue that it's trying to portray some kind of like heated dancing moment or something um <laughs> but uh. but i failed a 95 percent success rate skill check yeah, and then I was forced to to say that, and I was like, and then he just is like, "All right, we're done here," and just like leaves, and I'm like, "Right, well, I'm yeah, reloading." Racism. That's fucked up. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no. that's weird. And then I realized that um, I hadn't saved, and so I am in the process of redoing all of the side quests that I was doing <sighs> last night, and oh, that was rough. a huge bummer, kind of on me. Um, ah, like. But, it's a thing where it, it's on you that you didn't save, I guess, but, like, you know... But, it, if, but it's if, a weird design decision right. that, like... I don't know. Maybe I should have just played through and see what happened, but, like, it just felt very, like, out of character for yeah. the the version of Harrier that I was playing. Oh, sorry. I guess that's spoilers. Kind um, of, yeah. Yeah. Or your whatever. name is... Uh, people start calling you Harry Dubois early on in that game, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't learn until like three quarters of the way through that your na- real name is Harrier Dubois. Yeah. Um, and he, you're just like, what kind of a fucking stupid name is that? And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a name that like, it's like a war name, which yeah. like were really popular during the war. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't know. But, but it's a thing where like part of what I love about playing Disco Elysium is so often I would fail roles and they'd be permanent failures. Like ones you couldn't, like, there are, there are roles in this game that you can yeah. redo and ones you can't. Right. And I'm trying really hard not to save scum because right. I feel like that's really in the spirit of the game. Right. Because most times when you fail, you either can try again or it still moves the story forward. And I, I would hope that there's no, like, really key content that you miss if you um, if you fuck up a red roll. But also, I think thinking about this game in terms of, like, content is probably the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I probably am going to play it again once I'm done. But I, uh, I will say I failed what seemed like at the time a pretty fucking dire red roll, which are the unrepeatable rolls, and the, the story just continued to push forward. It changed what happened in that scene. I'm, I'm, it would have been probably very different for me depending on how it was, but there was like a late game thing. But I was still able to continue onward with the story. It just like you know added flavor and texture to what was going on and what was going through Harry's mind at the time or Harrier's mind. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of blown away by it. Like, I feel like what it does so well... I mean, first of all, the quality of the writing is just very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does so well, I think, is it really fits the mechanics to the world of the game mm. in a way that I feel like most similar games don't. 
Um, because if you want to compare this to like other RPGs, you know, like a Skyrim or any kind of fantasy thing like, like that. A, like a Pillars of Eternity, even with the yeah. you know, modern ice metal. You know, the stats are typically just like strength, like dexterity, endurance, and they're just very generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even the fact that the stats talk to you that is like the really <laughs> innovative thing, although that is... Ve- the reason that that's very good is because it happens constantly uh-huh. for like so every good. possible scenario. <laughs> Um, and also the stats, if you, um, each one of them says, and this isn't something I noticed until a little ways through, but there is a penalty for having them too high as well. Yep. There Um, is. Because, so I have Inland Empire, like that's my highest stat, which is just being like (laughs) weird as fuck. Uh Um, if you have a low Inland Empire, you're just very like, you have no imagination basically. But if you have a high, too high, you just start seeing like, mysteries that aren't there and like talking to your clothing and like Mm -hmm. just being like completely in the sky did you Um, i don't don't mean to derail you but on the inland empire thing because i also had very high inland empire for most of that game uh did you talk to the lady by the pier just like the random lady browsing books outside of the bookstore uh yes Um, okay but I think I left it at, um, her name is Middle-Aged Woman. Yes. And I was like, who are you? And she's just like, I'm a middle-aged woman. Um, I didn't get any further than that with that. Oh, okay. Because when I talk to her, there's, mm, I, I mean, this is a light spoiler. It's like a, such a, it's a er, super early side thing. So it's not really like a huge thing. But like my inland, just as an example of like what will happen with you if your inland empire is too high. Like my inland empire uh, kept telling me over and over like, uh, like making me ask her questions, like uh, you know, what's your name? It's like uh, blah blah blah, and uh huh, where are you from? Uh, blah blah blah. Uh, do you have any kids and a husband or or a wife or anything? And she's like, I have a husband and two daughters. Why are you asking me this, strange man that I've never met? And then uh, he's like, Well, do you know where they are? And she's, I don't know. They're like out with their friends or something like that. It's like you know, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. We don't always see each other at any given moment of the day. And then Harry's like, they're definitely kidnapped. Like, I'm, I'm she doesn't know where they are. They're super kidnapped. And you can just keep telling her over and over again, no, I need to find, you need to give me any clues you can to where your children might be because, or your husband, because they are super duper kidnapped and I'm going to solve the mystery of their kidnapping. She's like, they're not fucking kidnapped. Like, it's Friday and I'm at a bookstore. Fuck off. Uh, and that can, that goes super full circle, that ended up going super full circle with me in a really interesting, really, really heartbreaking, and, and, and I think, like, one of the, the the game does have a lot of, like, really great humor and a lot of really great, like, um, weirdness and, and, um, stuff, (laughs) like, I don't want to get into too many more specifics beyond that, but... Also, there are moments where the game is just, like, super heartfelt and, like, super sweet about just, like, you know, the nature of being alive in the world or whatever. And mm-hmm. there there was a thing, there was another side case that ended up circling back around to her later on that you can pick up over across the river. Um, and it brought me back to her later on in the week. And it was really, really touching. Um, but also incredibly, incredibly sad. But, yeah. That's all I'll say. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. I just can't <laughs> stop talking about this That's game. That's okay. Yeah, no, um... I think just the fact that the system was so clearly built in tandem with the world, like all of the skills are based around this character who is like a, an alcoholic cop. And so like, they're not just generic. They're like um, tied into like police work or like the fact that you do a lot of drugs or all these different things. 
And um, that to me is like the really successful thing about this mm-hmm. game and like what is kind of revolutionary about it. Um, and yeah, it just makes for a really tight experience that actually feels uh, more like a single player, like more like you're playing with the GM. Yeah. Like a single oh, player yeah. tabletop role playing game. And um, I, I'll just, I'll be done um, in a sec, but there are two great Kim moments, um, <laughs> which I feel like should be a segment, like great moments in, in Kim Kitsuragi. Um, one of them was I, uh, I came back to, so uh, for people who don't know, Kim Kitsuragi is your partner who is basically like the straight man. And um, depending on how you play, he can either be just constantly aggravated with you and hate you or grudgingly respect you and um, kind of be your friend. And uh, at one point, these two hooligans were like hanging around his car and um, (laughs) Uh they have uh, jackets that say, fuck the world. And uh, (laughs) a word that they bleep out. Yeah, they actually do bleep. This is one of the few words that they bleep out in this game. Uh, Piss F um, dot 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 T. Uh, And I got them to give me their jackets. I failed a roll to get them to give me their jackets and then started crying and was like, I don't deserve your jackets. I suck. I'm so sad. And then the one with the piss um, jacket is like, this is really depressing here. Take it. Um, and I was like, Kim, and then I was like, Kim, if you were one of the jackets, like which one would you wear? And he's like, well, I guess I would be the piss one. And I was like, here, I got this for you. And he's like, I am not wearing that. I'm like, <laughs> But you can express your individuality. And he's like, I already am. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll hold on to it. Um, And the second and last moment is there's a whole side quest where there's these cryptozoologists who are, like, hunting for some weird insect. Yeah. And you can help them by, like, baiting these traps. And then at one point you can go back and talk to one of them about cryptids. And uh, the whole time Kim is like, okay, this is, like, we should really be solving this murder case and not trying to find this like invisible insect. And you can talk to this woman and be like, um, can you tell me about cryptids? And Kim is like, okay, come on, this is ridiculous. And you're like, okay, just one little cryptid that can't hurt. Right. He's like, fine, just one. And, uh, you, you ask her about one and then a second, and then you're going to ask her about a third. And he's like, you said one cryptid. And you're just like, one of the things you can say is like, come on, don't you want to hear about more cryptids? And then it's just like, it's like, he thinks a while something in him breaks and then he's like fuck it let's have more cryptos and he just gets really excited to hear about all these like fake made up animals uh like that is for me in my playthrough that was like the entire arc of kim was just him kind of like us influencing each other over time and like both me as a character and me as a player because i was just like i didn't want to let kim down (laughs) like i wanted to do it for kim and uh, but at the same time, like over time, like character, like Kim would become like influenced in 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 a like a broad sense, not just in those little moments like that, but those little moments added up to like create this weird sort of like buddy relationship between the two of them. It is so good. Mm-hmm. It's like the best part of that game. Also, you did leave out the, and maybe this is something you didn't see, but there the one of the one of my favorite er, my favorite er gags in this game is that the cryptozoologist's name in the game is like 
Marcus the cryptozoologist, and then his like assistant. Oh my god! Is is something like Dave it's Gary the crypto fascist? Gary the crypto fascist. <laughs> very good. Oh boy! And early on in that game, you can get a mug that has like a super racist like uh, uh, character on it, and you're like just any at any point from then on, you can ask almost any NPC, "Is this your mug?" <laughs> And they're like, no, it's not my mug. And like, you just, I, throughout the game, I was just constantly asking people if this super racist mug was their mug. And I brought it to Gary the Crypto Fascist. And he was like, oh yeah, where'd you find my mug? It's like, oh shit, Gary, I got you. I got you. I pinned you to the scene of the crime. I did it. Ugh. God. Anyway, that's me. Um, that and Slay the Spire, which um, I can't decide if is a good game or just yeah. a game that like many roguelikes just like tickles that part of your lizard brain that's like wants rewards yeah um but i feel like i can't really speak to it yet have you have you unlocked all the classes yet yes but i haven't played as all of them okay um i'm still just trying to like complete a run with the main guy i feel like there's like kind of a lot of luck in like what relics you get oh yeah uh but, I mean, I don't know. I love drafting in Magic the Gathering, and that's what deck-building games basically are. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't know, it's cool. Um, it, the art is, like, a, the visuals are not great, I would say. Um, they're kind of generic. And, um, yeah, sometimes it does feel like you just get screwed by luck. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, like, an interesting take on the whole roguelike experience. And uh, that's pretty much it for me. Cool. All right. Uh, Nikki, did you play anything besides Pokemon? Um, no. I played, I, I feel like I've talked about this on the show before. There's like a, when you go to, so the, 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 the mm-hmm. Star Wars land over at, at Walt's house has <laughs> yeah. an app. Okay, right, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it's called Play, it, like the app itself is called Play Disney. And then you go into it, and there's like a data, like a Star Wars data pad thing, and it's like Ingress. I don't remember, like I don't remember if y'all remember oh. Ingress. It was uh, Niantic's yeah. first oh, game yeah. before they d- turned into a Pokemon Go studio. Yeah, um, it's basically like Ingress, and you can go around the, uh, you can go around Galaxy's Edge, which is the name of Star Wars World, and like scan shit and listen into. Uh, like pre-recorded conversations, like there's an entire story that was like written by Lucas Story Group for the land that has been obfuscated in the wildest possible way, um, and it's like relatively interesting actually. Like a lot of the stuff you actually uncover in line for the only ride that is there, the um, Millennium Falcon one, um, where you like pilot the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. which is also technically a game I played. I did play that. I was oh. the pilot. I was like the left pilot, which means oh. I got to control the left and the right movement of the it, Millennium Falcon. It's like a Star Trek uh, bridge crew type situation. It's like a co-op thing. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So it which but all it is really is you press different flashing buttons at various speeds. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the the most interesting to me part of this a uh, part of the experience is that you. The, the story for that ride is that you get on the ride and there's this character named Gar who is basically, he runs a space UPS oh. and he's basically gotten Chewbacca as a freelancer uh, to do some runs because Chewbacca's bored in between like doing resistance stuff. Right. Uh, so he's got the Millennium Falcon and he's just going around making deliveries. 
but you basically there are a bunch of packages scattered across all of Galaxy's Edge, and a lot of them are scattered underneath the Millennium Falcon, which is in the line for the ride. And you have to mm-hmm. go with your phone and scan all of the boxes, basically to take inventory. And they give you this key, and they're like, "Okay, look at the. You have to look around this box for the like the spray painted, like basically it's like a like a like an image. You have to look for the on the key to figure out what's inside of the box." And some of them are really well hidden. And considering all you're doing when you're standing in line for a ride at Disneyland is standing for 55 minutes, mm-hmm. this was an extremely good way to spend time. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. Because some of them are, like, very well hidden. Uh, and then at the end, it's like, oh, okay, cool. You, like, logged all of this stuff. Here's this, like, little video. And it's, like, this produced, like, 30-second long video um, that basically, like, points you to a different part of the park. Uh, that like then is like it triggers like a like an audio recording and then it like digs deeper. I don't know. Okay. It's interesting. But that's that's all I really did. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, is anybody you want to hear about what I've been playing? Yes. Yeah. I wish okay. You, I wish you would. Okay. Tell us. Uh, I will probably start with I think the most recent game on this list. Well, certainly the most recent game out on this list because it came out today. Uh, Whoa. Phoenix Point. Uh, is the new game from Julian Gollop. Uh, it's been in development for like a long time. Julian Gollop, the creator of the original XCOM UFO defense. Um, yeah. And it shows. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have not played a ton of this game. I'm, and I don't mean it shows as in the game feels old, but it, it, it feels... I, I mean, it's straight up, it feels like old XCOM. Um, I feel like, you know, more people are probably more familiar at this point with XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is the uh, Phyraxis makers of Civilization. It was their remake, kind of reboot mm-hmm. of the franchise. Um, and this game definitely, like, heavily borrows from that game in terms of, like, UI and a couple of other things, but uh, leans very, very, very heavily in the opposite direction in terms of whereas Phyraxis really sanded down a lot of the rough edges and added, like, a ton of quality of life uh, little, you know, bits and bobs here and there, this game, like, actually goes way, way heavier in, like, a simulation route um, in terms of, like, every almost everything is manual. Like, you know, one kind of easy example, I would say, is in XCOM Enemy Unknown, the Phyraxis game, uh, when you go on a mission, it takes time for your, like, dropship, your plane, to transport your soldiers over to the place. But when they're done, they just automatically return to base and start healing up and whatever. Um, it's just, oh, mission's done. Or in XCOM 2, your base was kind of a mobile thing, so they were always just automatically healing the minute they got back to base. In this game, you have to manually select the site that you want to go to to go have a fight, manually select all the people that go onto that plane, and then when that mission is over, their plane is just hanging out there. They're just hanging out in, like, a junkyard or a blown-up, like, commercial district or whatever. And they don't come home until you tell them it's okay. And so that entire time, they're not healing or not doing anything. They are just sitting inside of a big plane in the middle of a crater for no good reason until you manually hit the button that tells them to come home. And if you forget to hit that button, well, they're just going to waste a lot of time sitting there, aren't they? Um, Uh, or another example is this is one of those games where, you know, this is not, other games have done this. Uh, I think mostly, most typically first person shooters, like simulation-y first person shooters will do this. But in this game, when your characters reload, they have limited clips and whatever, if you eject a clip and put in a new clip, you just lose all the ammo that was in your previous clip. You don't get to keep that. Oh. Uh, individual. Okay. 
yeah, it's it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on. This game, you know, there's encumbrance for each of your individual soldiers, and the individual soldiers can have higher or lower uh, strength, which will give them better carry, you know, numbers and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that, like that going on. But I gotta say, even though... Excuse me. Even though at one point that stuff really bothered me, um, I am really, really liking Phoenix Point so far. Uh, I think it's got like some really cool ideas going on in here. Um, I don't know. Did any of you ever play XCOM? No, I, I remember I it vaguely. Okay. I feel like I played it on a demo disc on the PlayStation. Sure. Okay. A million years ago, but no, no. And Danielle, you are canonically on the record as not being a strategy person besides Into the Breach. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Mario and Rabbids awakened something in me. Mm. Uh, mm. It made me a baby tactics gamer. And then Into the Breach is my truest love. It's a game I'm actually married to, not Outer Wilds. Right. <laughs> Outer Wilds is your mistress, falsely please. Think. But yeah, I, I really haven't played that many. Uh, even though I, I have loved so much everything I have yeah. played. So one would think... Yeah. But one has not gotten around to it just yet. So, kind of the... This will be a little bit harder to explain then, because so much of, I think, like what makes Phoenix Point stand out to me... I played a lot of XCOM 1, and a lot of XCOM 2 eventually. XCOM 2 was a little bit more... The, the XCOM 2 being the, like the modern Firaxis sequel. Um, it, that one was a little bit more controversial. That made a lot of different changes in there that I think a lot of people didn't like until they kind of re-overhauled everything in the expansion, War of the Chosen, where they hired pretty much the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation to play characters. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, it's Troy, Riker, Worf, Q, all of them are in that game oh uh, as, as various faction leaders and NPCs. Uh, like, Riker is your, like, is the leader of an NPC faction that, like, eats aliens. Um, and his, his lieutenant is the... I, 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 excuse me for not knowing all the names of the actors. I, I really just don't off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, uh, the woman who played uh, Deanna Troy is, like, his lieutenant sniper lady. Uh, Q plays, like, the leader of the, like, asshole psychic people. It's really good. Uh, John Delancey actually does, like, a lot of voice acting these days. He's in StarCraft and Assassin's Creed as well. Huh. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so... That game got a pretty significantly overhauled, both in its initial release and then in the expansion that uh, redid a lot of what they did. This game goes backwards in time, obviously, to try and you know redo a lot of like the old magic of those games, of the uh, original like XCOM Apocalypse and all that stuff that came out in the '90s. And uh, I don't know, it's there, so early on. Uh, this is kind of one of the big examples of like if you were if people who have played a lot of XCOM will know kind of what I'm talking about. There, there's a the, the most famous enemy type in XCOM, the, the Sectoids. They're like the first little grunt, gray, like, Graylian enemies that you encounter in that game. And one of their most annoying abilities is that they can mind control your units. Uh, mm. But if you kill them, they break the mind control link and your unit just, you know, comes back under your control and everything's fine. It's no big deal. In this game, in like the first real mission I played, uh, I'm just going through fighting the, these crab men. Um, oh, I should maybe even just, like, bring it back just a little bit farther. The kind of the uh, basic premise of this game is that the uh, world, the polar ice caps have melted, uh, revealing a, uh, like, a, I think they call it a macro virus. It's the largest virus. Oh, yeah, that's a real thing. Oh, is it really? Wow. Yeah, that's real. Okay. Um, they, okay, so I thought that was a little bit silly, but I guess it's, if it's a real thing, then good on them. Um, it's, it's definitely a Star Trek Voyager episode. That oh, okay. is for sure. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the polar ice caps melt uh, in a virus called the Pandora virus. Uh, gets like unsealed. It, it seems like that is kind of the case. I'm not super far in yet in terms of the story, but that gets uh, that reveals this virus and just that just breaks down all of society all at once in all these different ways. Like, um, you know, the virus starts spreading, um, weird animals start behaving erratically because they're being controlled by the virus, people's food starts becoming contaminated, uh, this big mist appears over several cities that, like, seems like it just, like, hypnotizes people and forces them to just walk into the ocean. Um, <laughs> and then, like, wow. ten years it. later, the people who walked into the ocean come back out, but they're all a bunch of weird mutants. Um, and so, like, you know, society breaks down, and you are part of the Phoenix Point Project, which is not the, like the XCOM project at all. Don't not at all like, don't get it twisted. Uh, and they kind of actually do play with that. Whereas like in XCOM, the XCOM project is like this hyper-funded like shadow organization that's like ah yes we are the greatest minds and the best of the best. Uh, we we've been waiting for this day for aliens to come because you know the the nations of the world knew that someday we might face an existential threat we wouldn't be prepared for. And Phoenix Point is like. Yeah, we were that in 1945, and then um, we tried to, uh, like, build a base on the moon, and it went real bad, and everybody hated it, and we lost all our funding, and, uh, like, we have no money now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's good. I love yeah. that premise. It's not bad. It's it's actually pretty good. So, like, you start the game, it's just like, yeah, you have, like, nothing. Like, there's all your... You have six dudes and uh, all, no money, and everybody hates you, and you don't have any shit, and the world is fucked. So, like, build from nothing and, and get from there. Um, so in the first mission that I went on, uh, one of these, like, weird fish monsters was, like, a little spider dog, um, that ran up to my characters, and I'm like, oh, fuck, okay, it's, it's fast, and it's small, which means it's probably gonna poison me. I know how this works, I've played XCOM before, fast little melee enemies, they, they poison you. It turns out, this one was not a poisonous unit, uh, it, in fact, got within, like, six feet of one of my guys, and instead of, like, trying to get closer and, like, stab them or whatever, it, like, launched a face hugger off of its body it's like its body died and then the face hugger just like flung itself 80 feet in the air landed on my like lady with a gun and like just wrapped around her entire head and it just said mind controlled it's like what the fuck am i supposed Ooh, to do wow, about you hate to see it <laughs> right uh, exactly you know it, it's really annoying mind control is really annoying these games are straight up um but one of the interesting things that this game does is it kind of has vats from Fallout, where, mm. yeah, you can target individual body parts, and depending on which body parts you target, um, you do different, like, status effect debilitations. Like, you know, oh, you shot them in the gun, they dropped their gun, or you shot them in the head, and it did bonus damage or something. Um, and on top of it being vats, it's not just, like, vats where you can be, like, cycling through and selecting which one you want to hit. It's more like Valkyria Chronicles, where you can just press a button... And, like, just take your mouse and manually aim your gun. And it'll show you, like, a targeting reticle. And it says, like, yeah, every bullet you fire will land somewhere in this circle. So depending on where you aim, that's where you're going to hit. Like, you know, give it a shot. You know, try to, like, manually aim like a, like a turn-based first-person shooter. Like Valkyria Chronicles kind of is, too. And so I just had to find a character that was, like, within, like, line of sight of this lady who was mind-controlled by a weird oyster on her face and shoot the oyster and not hit her body <laughs> and like it worked i shot the i shot the monster off but like one of the bullets did like go wide and hit her in the chest so she took some extra damage 
Um, uh, you know, there's like armor and all this other mechanics on, on top of that as well. But it was like a cool little moment. It was like a really interesting mm. thing that right off the bat like set up. Okay, this thing is not just XCOM. Like they are they are playing with the language. They're playing with the shorthand of XCOM and they're playing with expectations around what you expect from an XCOM. But they're not just replicating it outright. Um, they're they're doing more with it than than just trying to be that and. So far, that's really working for me. We'll see how it goes. I've heard some that there may be some problems with the AI. They did just put out a patch today um, that will maybe alleviate some of that compared to the press early press release version. But, uh, you know, uh, so far, positive. I'm, I'm pretty positive on it. Nice. <sighs> Sweet. Yeah. So that's Phoenix Point. It uh, sounds like a game that I, I, I would I would get into on my personal computer. Yeah, do you play a lot of strategy games? I didn't actually ask you, Nikki. No, because I didn't really have... I, I've never had the the means by which to do them. Like, okay. I... Because I, I, I've been... I've had consoles my entire life. Um, you, they wait, really make... you, didn't, you didn't play StarCraft on the Nintendo 64? <laughs> I didn't play... Oh, I didn't okay. play Nintendo's StarCraft. Mm-hmm. Um, she grew no, up Miyamoto's didn't. own StarCraft. <laughs> <laughs> the Brood War. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, I haven't, I haven't really. But like, the the idea of those has always been super interesting to me because, like, there's a part of me that in my brain, I don't actually know if this makes any sense. There's a part of me that is like, I love, you know, what I fucking love, Roller Coaster Tycoon, and you know mm. why I love it because it's just me sitting and clicking and thinking the whole time. Yeah. And if it was like, if there was, if there was a different version of that, which just seems like a lot of these strategy games actually are, like, I'd be hella into that. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll see. Also, I forget if this game... It's its on PC for sure. That's where I'm playing it. I forget if it's also on consoles. It does have controller support even on PC, mm. um, which XCOM did also... I think the first one added it later, and then the second one launched with it, because XCOM 1 and 2 are on console as well. Um, I would recommend them. Uh, and if not those, yeah. maybe maybe Valkyria Chronicles, which is kind of uh, actually like a really, really good one of these two uh, kind of thing, but it's a little bit more action-y, slightly more action-y. Yeah. Um, well, I, I followed. I followed Merit's lead, and I did buy. I just did just bite the goddamn bullet and buy a PC. Oh so, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh no. So, yeah, I know. It's a, it was truly a mistake. <laughs> I was gonna uh, say congratulations, but I guess Merit wanted to take it a different way. <laughs> no, no, it's a terrible mistake. The folks uh, over, and you know what? I'll fucking say it. The folks over at Lenovo, being real, real jerkwads. And not won't inform me about where the computer that I paid many dollars oh. for is. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Yeah. Don't, don't tell like me that. where it is. Yeah, that's bad. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. What about you, Danielle? Does this anything about this strike anything in you that might, like, get that uh, baby tactics gamer in? Oh, completely. Okay. I'm sure if you put this in front of me and I and I learned it and I wasn't mad and I and I wasn't feeling like I had to be married to it, uh, since I'm I'm having relationships with the games now, it's weird. <laughs> Congratulations! Probably, Congratulations yeah. on your video game polyamory. I thank you. I you know I practice ethical non gamogony. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Non really... No, there's something there. Non gamogony. Uh huh. Non gamog. <laughs> sorry. Possible titles. Non. There it is. Game it is friends we did it yes this sounds very fun and interesting uh when once i'm done with outer wilds i'll definitely get to it oh oh yeah 
Yep, that's what we always say. About, and then that always turns out to be true. Anytime anybody says, just as soon as I finish these other six games that I need to play, I'll definitely yeah. get to that one. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially you know? in our industry. Yep. Oh, I have also been playing... It's a big, It was a big weekend for me uh, for Japanese mystery games that involved people getting their eyes gouged out, actually. Hell yeah. What? <laughs> I played two different... Japanese mystery games where the killer is killing people by gouging their eyes out. Uh, which, yeah. Huh. Which were judgment. You know, I'm not convinced that that's actually going to kill you. Yeah, they yeah, I was going to say. I, don't, I, I mean, think there are better ways to blood do Blood loss, murder. maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can lose a lot of blood from there, but uh, I think you need to go past the, uh, the eye socket. If you're going for that whole, like, oh, they're going to die because you, you, you know, ice Rip their brain, their brain out? Right. Yeah, like, you gotta go way far in there. Well, so in AI the Somnium Files, they do actually specify that the person's eye was... It's one eye in AI the Somnium Files. Okay. Uh, they, okay. Their one eye was removed while they were still alive, but they were stabbed to death. That was actually the cause of death. Okay, well, death yep. was. Sta- stabbing, stabbing will kill you uh, if there's enough of it, yes. Uh, judgment has not really <laughs> explained. Uh, I'm not, I've not gotten to the big reveal yet <laughs> in Judgment and how these people are getting killed, uh, just that they are be- their bodies are being found with no eyes. Um, ju- those are the two games, though. Judgment and AI the Somnium Files. Uh, they're two incredibly different games, but I was just very taken aback to realize that they both basically had the same central <laughs> premise. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Judgment, uh, I feel like I haven't really talked about it on this podcast before. It came out a few months ago. It's the uh, latest game from the Yakuza devs, um, set in the mm-hmm. same world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> ah. different, totally different characters, but like a lot of the same factions, and it takes place in the same city, same like fictional city of Kamurocho. Uh And in that one, you are playing a... Uh, basically a disgraced lawyer who I don't know how true this is in real life I think it might be based on you know true (laughs) (laughs) okay uh, Danielle's fact checker did just come in to tell me that uh, this is actually all bullshit sorry uh, no 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 it's good Uh, my apologies no no need at all um, but yeah, uh, so, like, Judgment, the whole basic premise is you're, like, a disgraced lawyer who, in Japan, at least in the premise of this game, um, the conviction rate is, like, 99.99% or something like that. Like, people just do not get off. They might get commuted sentences and all kinds of stuff, but the, like, prosecution there really likes to make sure that they get, like, an actual conviction. Um, and in this game, you start off as, uh, Takayumi Yagami? So, Tack, something. Everybody calls him Tack, but his, uh, Yagami is definitely his surname. Uh, and he is a lawyer who manages to get somebody off of a murder charge. Uh, but then, as soon as he does that, the person who he gets off of murder uh, is found murdering, like, has murdered his <laughs> girlfriend. Uh, so Just couldn't help himself. Couldn't help all the murder. Um, and so Yagami, um, basically steps down from being a lawyer because he's like, well, if I, I thought that guy was, was innocent, but I got him off of murder and then he went and murdered his girlfriend. So like, clearly I don't, I'm not good at this. I I need to step down. So he gives up being a lawyer, becomes a private investigator instead to try and help people, uh, who are innocent, like discover if people are innocent or guilty and then like work either with or against the prosecution and all this other stuff and what ends up happening pretty early on is that there is a murder case for uh where a kind of rival kind of uh nemesis type character of his who is a yakuza uh of the 
Yakuza clan that is the at the center of Yaku- the Yakuza games, the Tojo clan. Uh, it's like Kiryu's uh, family from the mm-hmm. Yakuza series. Um, a guy, like a bad guy in that group is accused of murder, and uh, Yagami is takes on his case to try and prove him innocent because he, he realizes the guy is innocent and didn't actually murder this person who uh, is the latest in a string of serial murders uh, where people are having their eyes removed and the police believe that it is the Tojo clan killing rival Yakuza gangs to try and like scare them out of the city. Um, and for the most part, it just plays like a Yakuza game. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's it's just these games are extremely good at creating and i think this one even more so than most of the yakuza games proper is really good at creating like just intrigue within intrigue and wheels within wheels turning you know weird conspiracies and characters who hate each other or hated each other and now they're friends or now they're better enemies and this guy seems like he's in power but actually uh his underling is the power behind the throne because he makes all the money even though he's like a lower rank and it's just really good at that stuff um and I'm having a good time with it so far. I, I did have a problem where uh, I sent my PS4 Pro in to get uh, its disk drive repaired earlier this year. And uh, did find out over the weekend that my entire judgment save did not upload to the cloud. And so I did no. have to start over from the beginning. No. <sighs> so that was a little bit of a bummer. I'm, I'm That's past... hell to me. You've yeah. described hell. It had been long enough where I was like you know what, I should play through some of this anyway to remember, because it is so dense with, like, betrayals and, and alliances and all this stuff, it was kind of nice, actually, to just have an excuse to be like, okay, this guy, yep, Matsugane, uh, yep, he hates this guy, Kaito is my buddy, uh, he's friends with this guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think my bigger problem with it is, you know, it's, for people who don't know, these are kind of basically 3D beat-em-ups with, like, lots of cutscenes in between. They're, they're like, what if Shenmue was good? Um, you might Ooh, say, "Wow!" If, when John hears oh. this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's gonna lose his mind. You know what? He did lose his mind. It was when he decided that Shenmue was good. Uh, wow. wow! Wow! Damn! Strong words. I don't know if I agree either, but I'll, I'll let you keep going. All right. Um, I will say the Yakuza franchise a little bit less racist than uh, the Shenmue one. Uh, Yakuza has had some problems in the past with that stuff, but uh, they have straight up gone back. And uh, I have not played these new remasters yet, but they are remastering all the like PS3 Yakuza games for PS4, and they are going back and relocalizing and rewriting a bunch of like the character ah, stuff in those games to be like they're unrace. They're taking the racist out. It's, it was less racism yes. and more there was like some shitty transphobia in mm. uh, I think Yakuza 3 especially but then like over time that franchise got actually like way way in the opposite direction where it would like have like long extended uh, side missions where Kiryu was just beating up transphobes or whatever and like you know, the developers of these games have gone and done interviews where they basically said like yeah the localization team over the years having them localized into english so much like expand like expanded the audience of these games and brought us all kinds of new fans and then like it made us realize oh wait a lot of the stuff a lot of the shitty jokes we were making really are shitty so we want to go back and change them we want to rewrite them and and change what that sounds like and whatever because like you know we didn't realize at the time like how fucked that was so you know we we're doing better now and you know it's it's a cool little thing that they're doing with the re-releases of those games uh, but yeah, the, the one kind of big difference between, I think, Judgment and the other ones is that they they go out of their way to set up Yagami as, like, not Kiryu, because mm-hmm. 
Kiryu, uh, the protagonist of the Yakuza games, is like a force of nature. <laughs> like, he's like, somebody goes up behind him and breaks a chair over the back of his head and he turns around and you've just made him mad. Like, that's all it is. <laughs> Um, and the, the core drama in a lot of those games is, like, how long does it take Kiryu to find out who is the bad guy so he can go beat the hell out of them and stop them or whatever? Um, because the minute he knows who he needs to beat the hell out of, he's gonna do it. He's the dragon of Dojima. He's Kiryu Kazama. He's fine. It's gonna work out. Uh, whereas in this game, like, they kind of come out of their way to establish that Yagami knows how to fight. He, um, took some, like, martial arts lessons when he was a kid, but, like... He can't take on 20 dudes. Like, they will just... Mm. They do just beat the ever-loving shit out of him at several early scenes in this game. Uh, and, like, pull guns on him and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, well, I'm fucked. Like, that, that guy has a gun. Whereas Kiryu yeah, will just take a bullet. can't punch these. <laughs> yeah. Can't punch bullets out of the air like Kiryu can. Uh, and they, they establish that in the gameplay, too, with, like, your if your character get If Kiryu gets stabbed in Yakuza, he takes damage. If... Yagami gets stabbed or shot or whatever in these games, his, like, maximum health is reduced until you go see a doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like in real life. Yeah, just like in real life. <laughs> that is right. a lot like real life, yes. Yes. Uh, then you see a doctor, and then it gets better. It does yeah. get better, yeah. You, you go to a sewer where there is a doctor ministering to the homeless people uh, who live in the sewer, and then he fixes you up real good. Cause, yeah. Cause yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, sewer doc. Yeah, the sewer doctors. Yeah. I think Shredder. Uh, yes, <laughs> Shredder. Shredder. The sewer doctor. Shredder's not, a doctor. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that uh, the Shredder did have a girlfriend once, which means he does have a uh, doctorate, so. Um, right. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so the the kind of the, the inverse in this game is that, oh, you know who the bad guy is, but he's basically untouchable because he's got 30 goons following him oh, all the time. Right. And, uh, and a gun. And, and he does have a guy... He does have gun. He does have gun. He does have the power gun of gun. Gun is there. <laughs> he does have gun, the Xbox 360 launch title. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I were the main character of Judgment, I would simply get gun. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And use it, you know? Yeah. I would simply have and use gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like Monkey Island at that point. You're just like, oh, bad, use gun on bad guy. Win. Game. The credits. Yeah. Exactly. Roll. Yeah, so uh, I'm enjoying that uh, a good bit. It's just a, it's just I like being in that world. I just like being in Camarocha with those characters and doing that stuff. Like I don't know, helping this guy who is really concerned about the stray cats of the city and whether or not they're getting fed. Just taking pictures of cats for him to make sure that he knows that they're safe. Hell yeah! Uh, like little things like that. That's just these games always do. That is just always fun and and like you know just entertaining that I like to be a part of. Uh, and then AI the Somnium Files, which I, I won't spend as much time on because I haven't um, played probably enough of it to speak too much about it, but it's the new game from the creators of the Zero Escape uh, trilogy, which is like 999 and Virtue's Last Reward, uh, for people who know those games. Uh, it is not set in that universe. It is an entirely new thing. You are uh, another detective, but you're like part of... <laughs> You are part of a special crime unit called ABIS, A-B-I-S, which does stand for Advanced Brain Investigation Squad. <laughs> Good. Good. That rules. That's very good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Advanced Brain Investigation. That sounds like something that someone would make up in a tweet. That's yeah, like... it sounds like a drill tweet. It super does. Yep. Oh, my um, God. 
wait, how 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 much does um, do prime numbers come into play in this one? Prime numbers so far, not at all yet, really. It's been actually really light on puzzles compared to uh, the... It's way more of a uh, visual novel than the Zero Escape games are, which are visual novels, but, like, split up the action with uh, escape room-style puzzles, like you alluded to there with the prime number stuff. Right, Um, right. Yeah, none of that so far. It's mostly just talking to people. Uh, It's got a really interesting setup and a really interesting world. It... These games, all, like, the games from these people always have, like, it's really interesting, kind of unique style of writing. I, I would actually say that the art style is probably the weakest part, because the it is so, like, eclectic and just does not... None of it feels like it is part of one succinct world. It'll mm. You'll be, like, talking to somebody and it's like, that character looks like a psychopath character. Like, you know, a very serious, like, hard drama anime. And then the next moment you're talking to this old lady who runs a diner and she's just a Pokemon mom. She's just... She just looks like <laughs> a cartoon character. It's very strange. Um... But then also the dialogue is, like, you know, it's very funny and pithy between the characters, like, constantly taking the piss out of each other uh, in way, in a way that is very self-aware. But then also, like, long diatribes about, like, Egyptian mythology or whatever uh, that these games kind of always do. Um, and the basic premise here is that a woman has been found murdered. She, her body was tied to a merry-go-round, uh, like a carousel. Uh, this is in, like, the future, it seems, um, because your whole investigation squad's thing is that, like, they have a machine that lets you go into side of, uh, people's minds and, like, see their dream worlds, their somnium. Um. Oh. Because you have a robot living in your eye, in your eye socket, um, named I... Eight, hmm, I mean, named... Well, I, uh, I, like the <laughs> monkey from, um, monkey Yes! Ball. From which one? From, from monkey Super Ball. Monkey Ball. Oh, okay. I never played Super Monkey Ball. Um, oh, his name is I. I. I only know this from Sonic and All Stars Racing Transform. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, fair. Uh, no, it's uh, Iba is her name, uh, which is short for Eyeball. A I dash. No. Your it actually kind of rules because the guy who invented Iba is this uh, is your like science guy, and he's just this like, incredibly huge nerd. He does look like a fucking, like, Super Sentai villain. Um, I... Maybe I can find a picture of him really quick. This Pewter uh, Somnium. Because I do need you guys to just see this guy who... You know, he's either a Super Sentai villain, or he could also, speaking of Pokemon, just be a, like, Pokemon... Like, leader of a Pokemon team. Uh, like a... Oh, that's not the... That's not the right link to the picture. Here you go. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's oh, just... no, this this man wants to do a genocide by collecting all of the legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. But also, but in this game, it turns out he's actually just a huge gay nerd um, who has uh, just, because you, you can investigate everything in this world and whatever, and you just, like, uh, are in his office, and you can just, like, anytime you're anywhere in this game, you can click on anything, and the character, even if it's just them saying, like, it's a chair. It's mm-hmm. a window. The character will have something to say about it, and sometimes Iba will, like, make stupid comments to you to try and, like, piss you off. Uh, and there is a part in that where you could just find out that he's just got drawers upon drawers in his office full of, like, boys love manga. <laughs> and um, Oh, my God. He's very good. And he built the... Uh, he ma- intentionally made your, like, AI companion eyeball robot uh, just a really annoying, <laughs> like, constantly making fun of you because he hates you so much. <laughs> Uh, but you're like weirdly buddies with your with your robot eye, 
it's very good. But um, your robot eye does turn into like a little uh, gummy bear that can walk around. <sighs> of course. Anyway. Of course. Yes. These are all wow. staples of the genre. Right. Yeah. Um, I can actually here's another one here real quick to just just show you the the full main cast here. Your guy is the guy on the far left there in the purple and black. Uh. Well, oh, wow. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, so. I see. So the yeah, gummy, these, these are all these are from different he's games. He's smelling yes, something yeah. he doesn't like. That's just it. But he's, he's smelling. He's like, oh, what is this whiff? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, that's just it. It's like the, these games. I feel like uh, Zero Escape had the same problem where everybody just looked like they were from different games. I will say the lady in white and the gummy bear are the same person. Um, the gummy bear is what Iva uh-huh. looks like. The gummy bear is what Iva looks like in the real world because she's just a little eyeball. But when you are in the dream world, you control Iva instead of your guy, and she can walk mm-hmm. around and she made herself look like oh, that. Oh, it's like in it's like in Mega Man Battle Network. Yes, it's just like Mega Man Battle. <laughs> oh, Network. it's a Mega Man Battle Network. Now it all makes sense. See, now I can understand. So, yeah. so right um, now you know everything about AI, the Somnium files. Everything makes perfect sense now. You know I exactly hate what this kind of bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Why? The bear mm-hmm. suck. It sucks. It looks like the what worst is... Pokemon ever. Yeah, the, it reminds me like... of that Pokemon that's just like a, a nut mm-hmm. and like an eyeball in oh, it. Oh, Meltan yeah, or whatever. Rolla. Yeah. Oh, oh I hate it. Rolla. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Meltan. 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 Okay. Because oh. yeah, normally because that is like your literal human eyeball. But it pops out of your head and then like. Sorry. Um, wait, wait, wait. Where does the bear part come from then? So it the goo that create that is your eyeball. It's that, goo. I see. The okay. goo stretches out arms and legs and becomes a little mm. bear that can walk around on your lap and stuff and talk to you. Wait. What? Hold on, wait, I wait, wait. hate. Does that, that mean that all of the goo is contained within the eyeball? I don't. You know, I'm not a medical professional, Nikki. Mm. Okay, so Danielle, does that mean that all of the goo is contained within the eyeball? Honestly, it should. Okay. However, Got if it. you have an infection or just <laughs> anything wrong with that, then then yeah, you might get some drippage. I you see. might get some some goo leakage. Mm-hmm. Now, is the pink part that I thought was like a tie situation actually the thing that connects the eyeball to your brain? Yes, Nikki. Okay. It's a robot okay. eye. You so of course it's a it's a Japanese uh, visual novel. So you do have amnesia. Uh, your character mm. lost. <laughs> I see. <laughs> your character um, doesn't remember anything as like prior to six years ago. Something happened six years ago, and they have no memory from before that time. Uh, but when they lost their memory, they also lost their eye. And then a year later, Pewter built you this ro- robot eye companion who helps you solve murders. Um, by understand by investigating brains, by doing brain research. Yes, by brain, brain research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, is brain the International research. Brain Institute system? What is it called again? Advanced uh, Brain uh, Investigation Squad. Okay, thank you, thank you for that. Ibers uh, Abyss. Uh, the uh, lady in red in this image too, by the way, that's your boss. Like she's the head of Abyss, basically. Um, and she won't and tell you. they all have very weird scrolliosis situations happening. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of do, don't they? Huh. I did just notice that. They, they have all... which? They have, they have weird scrolliosis situations happening. Oh, yeah. No, they are all oh. kind of... They, they, do, they can't stand straight. <laughs> that, they have anime <laughs> protagonist disease. Right, yeah. Uh, it, there's something with the hips. Yeah. Uh, going on. Yeah. 
So yeah, except I, for the bear, I guess. Yeah. I, the bear doesn't have hips. No, the bear does not have hips. Olaf looking motherfucker. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> the, uh, I just hate him so much. You hate Olaf? No. <laughs> I mean, I hate Olaf. I do I, hate Olaf. I hate Olaf I, because he's different from me. <laughs> did y'all did y'all see did y'all know that there's a Funko Pop of Olaf? Oh. No. Of course. Well, I mean, of course there was, but oh no. Sorry, oh. I, I do need to show you. Oh no. Um I do need to show you show show you. Do you, <laughs> well, you do you have to? N- yeah. Nick, yeah. Nikki, you while you while you prepare that, I do want to point out, just as a reminder, Nikki, that the bear and the lady with the white like dress thing, I guess, shift, I guess. It's more like scrubs or something. Uh they are the same person. Uh the character Oh, this is Olaf has no soul. No, no Funko Pops. This is Olaf with I mean, the fun- soul no Funko Pops do. They all have dead eyes. Oh dear. Olaf this oh. Olaf does look like but Jack Frost from the horror film Jack so Frost. They had to make he a whole does. separate mold for this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They if Disney Disney was like, listen, the heads you have, those won't work. No. You need to make a new head. We do need to see his like grim rictus smile. They also have big oh. ones. Uh, and I saw one of those at Target. And I did send y'all that. Oh my god, he's suffocating! Well. Oh yeah. boy, Olaf, no. Oh jeez. Oh no. Oh no, he he's like portaling oh, through the dimensions here. This is rough. This is a rough one, Nikki. This is uh this is a lot you've given us to chew on. <sighs> yeah, sorry. No, it's alright. No, it's alright. You you're doing your job. Um It's a yeah, this is why Disney asked me out to go see the film Frozen 2. <laughs> So I could talk about the frozen Funko. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the true merchandise. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, AS Eminem Files is pretty cool so far. I'm kind of... I'm, I'm into it so far. Uh, there is some... I w- so the thing I wanted to point out... So the, the character Iva, the, the weird gummy bear eyeball that does pop out of your head sometimes, uh, she does assume that form in the game in the in like the dream world thing or whatever and like your character's like why the fuck do you look like a neon coated shrimp or something like that he says like again they they, there's a lot of pithy dialogue and humor about this or whatever and she's like oh yeah i like assumed this form because i thought it would be like you know based on what i know about you i thought it would like uh be the one of the most pleasing forms i could uh uh, take for you is whatever and like basically just saying because you're a huge pervert (laughs) (laughs) because you're nasty like but your character is genuinely like just a huge pervert constantly uh he is like and and i was just constantly like like telling him to knock it the fuck off um but yeah and he but he yeah he does not he does not appreciate her weird holographic form in the game um yeah I, but uh, so uh the 999 games or the zero escape games do have a little bit of that too with like the like humor about how horny people are or whatever uh, I feel like this game has way more of it so far, and I don't know how it stands with me yet. I don't know how I feel about how it handles that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I have not gotten to uh, the ending yet. It does seem like, it, much like the Zero Escape games, it does seem like it will have multiple branching paths and multiple endings. Uh, I'm curious to see how it handles those, because the Zero Escape games handle multiple endings in a very, very, very cool way. Uh, and this game, based on some menus that I've seen and some UI stuff I've seen, makes it look like it might do the same thing. Um, which, if it does, I will be really interested to see. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'll maybe report back more on how I really feel about the game itself in the future once I get through it more. But so far, I actually do really like the like world and characters and like the you've got like a uh, 
you've got this like girl that lives uh, with you that you're basically her like adoptive father or like uh, her, you're basically her legal guardian um, because she's like the daughter of your best friend but she just fucking hates you she's like super smart for her age she's like 12 years old but she's like you know basically college level uh, intelligent and is just constantly like talking about like how much you suck <laughs> and um like there's just constant jokes and I, I think they actually do really capture like you know oh she's a teenager or she's just about to be like about to be a teenager and she's mature for her age and she's acting like it and i think they capture that actually really well um and the the kind of like sniping at each other that they do is really well and i think that's one of the things that this, these games have always handled very well is just like really quick well localized dialogue uh between their characters but uh, we'll see how it goes sweet nice oh. Uh, I went on a little bit longer with that one than I wanted to, but we got about ten more minutes here before we have to wrap up. Uh, maybe hit some... Actually, instead of news, because there's not a ton to really talk about right now, I do want to uh, pull up a uh, podcast question that we've had that we've been sitting on for weeks now. Whoa! Uh, yeah, we kept we had to keep pushing it back for various reasons, but uh, Danielle, I wanted to make sure that you were on it for this one. Uh, oh. Because it was directed partially at you. Um, okay. Directly, that is. How do Pokemon. you jujitsu? How do you jujitsu? Danielle, take it away. <laughs> well, uh, first step is you gotta find a gym. Mm -hmm. uh, second step is you gotta pay the people at the gym. Okay. Next step, I guess you gotta get the right clothes for it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway, I can answer this question, whatever it is. All right. It's partially aimed at me. I uh, have it pulled up right now. It is from it is from Tim from Metro Detroit. They say hi all, but mostly Danielle for this question. My brother and I aren't super close, and I've been trying my best to break through. We both like video games, and he recently mentioned being glad that System Shock Three is still in active development. I use this comment as an opportunity to, as an opportunity to ask him if he likes immersive sims. He recognized the term, mm -hmm. said yes, and mentioned that he enjoyed the Dishonored games as well. What immersive sims would you recommend to this 20-something-year-old young man? Warm regards, Tim from Metro Detroit. P.S. I may have directed this question at Danielle, but I would be beyond flattered if any of you pushed me into traffic. Keep up the good work. <laughs> what? Well, don't, don't do wow! that. Wow! We, we will not do that part. Uh, no. we, will, we will refrain from that, but we will give some maybe some uh, uh, immersive sim recommendations. Absolutely. Well, have you heard of a little game called Prey? I, Let me tell you about a little game called Prey. Right, they play uh, the Blue by that Cult same song. studio. You have a yeah, you have an good. energy bow. <laughs> you have a big old bow. Uh, no, it is uh, the greatest immersive sim ever made. It's from 2017. It's from Arcane, the good folks at Arcane who made the Dishonored games. And it is less about stealth the way the Dishonored games are sort of about stealth, although you can certainly play uh, differently. I think it just has the best level design out of an immersive sim, and it mm. genuinely supports every kind of creative freedom. The way that, you know, so Deus Ex, uh, what is the the good one? Was it human, Mankind Divided or Human Revolution? Human Revolution, human Revolution I think. Uh, I think it was a like good game. Oh boy, that fucking game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, human Revolution, I think, is a pretty good game. Uh, but, and it is uh, sort of an immersive sim uh, in a way. But in that type of game, you're kind of going down one path. Uh, let's say there are three or four kind of general solutions to uh, an area. You can do the stealth thing, the shooty thing, the talky thing, you know, etc. With Prey, you can do any number of those things and 17 other wilder 
things that you don't even know until you, you know, just fully experiment. Like, oh, I could get the strength upgrade and move the boxes, or I could just really be very creative with explosions and move the boxes, or I can use this glue gun that creates a bizarre glob of matter that I can now use to climb around the geometry in a way that the developers may not have necessarily intended, but you can do it. Mm. Um, it it's just like a truly truly fun uh, kind of playground. The way we used to talk about like sandbox design, even though it was referring to Grand Theft Auto and, and like uh, basically open world games, but you can't really interact with things right. in that way. The way you truly actually can in something like Prey. Uh, and especially the the DLC for Prey, Moon Crash, uh, is is like this times a thousand and it, it changes things on you constantly and so you need to also constantly change. It gives you new tools all the time. Uh, it takes tools away. Uh, it allows you to play sort of different player builds. I think the main game is is obviously it was one of my games of the decade. You might hear about that mm, at some point. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I cannot say enough good things about that game in terms of what a pure, great, immersive sim it is in, in terms of like genuinely embracing player creativity and really letting you just fuck around so much. Or, or if you want to, go down one of those kind of more traditional paths with something. Like, really, you know, invest in your hacking skills and, and do that. Or invest in your alien powers and turn into coffee cups all the time and use that to, like, get around the entire space station. That's all, like, fully supported and fully possible. And I just think that's kind of rad. Like, I not to go on a diatribe, but I this is a lot of why I play games. Like, I play games for escapism, and I also play them for, like things that aren't possible in real life, right? Like, right. really uh, being able to kind of ex express things mechanically and play with things mechanically and figure out, uh, you know, different solutions to puzzles and things like that. So, yeah, yeah couldn't recommend that enough. Also, uh, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider is, I think, the most distilled and good Dishonored game, if uh, your brother hasn't played those yet. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, I think Bioshock 2 is actually a very good immersive sim. Yeah. I think one is a very light immersive sim. It really is basically a shooter with some immersive sim details that are nice and, and well done. I think 2 is a real immersive sim, especially if you play it uh, with a with an eye towards the sort of hunting and gathering the way that you can uh, in that game. You could do some really creative and fun stuff with sort of laying traps for enemies and stuff like that. So, yeah, those would be my recommendations for modern uh, immersive sims. Totally, yeah. Uh, Nikki, Merritt, either of you guys really have any comments on this? I haven't oh, no. played very many immersive sims just generally. Okay. So I I'm I abstain. I uh, I abstain <laughs> and I will not be commenting. Uh, my my At lawyers have <laughs> my lawyers have advised that I stay silent <laughs> on this one. And uh, Merritt, what were you what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I play a lot of these. I feel like I used to, and now they mostly overwhelm me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just like. I can't commit to those. They're too big, too scary. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I, one day I might try Prey. We'll oh, see. sure. Yes, yes. Prey's good. Yes. I like Prey. I think the ending of Prey is ridiculous, but uh, Prey is a pretty good game overall. Uh, you just don't rush it, that's all. No, no. It, uh, all. My, yeah, don't rush it. Don't get to the end. Uh, just try to avoid the ending of Prey, and you're, you're right. No, I just mean, I think a lot of people who... <laughs> had a really hard time with the end and I, I i don't think i get it i do get it i really do get it um but 
I think that's the type of game that is allergic to being reviewed yeah. in that way. Yeah. Like, because it's so experimental and so much fun and there's so much to fuck around with and kind of enjoy, it, I, I feel the same way genuinely about Breath of the Wild. Like, mm. that it, you would have a much worse time playing something like Breath of the Wild with less time or less of a, like, free form, like, I can fuck around, I can have fun in here kind of attitude the way you do if you're, like, have to post coverage on it or whatever it is, like, in a very limited amount of time. Uh, I would also say, in terms of, like, you brought up Breath of the Wild, I think that's a game that pushes the same buttons as a lot of immersive sins. Um, yeah. And in that same vein, I would actually say uh, Disco Elysium probably is not a bad example of a game that is maybe not, like, what we think about when we think about, like, oh, you can shoot a guy or stack boxes on top of a thing and, you know, jump yeah. on some crates or something, but it is a game where it's, like, there's multiple ways forward through a lot of different situations, um, and you can talk to lots of different people and learn lots of different stuff and take your time. Uh, another game series, and if I had to recommend one just for ease of use, I would probably say Call of Pripyat um, of the Stalker franchise. Uh, there's starting with Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl and then Stalker Clear Sky, and Stalker Call of Pripyat is the most recent one of that franchise. Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl was probably, came out in 2007, along with Bioshock and probably The Elder Scrolls. Uh, it was probably one of the games that kind of... Mm, revitalized the immersive sim genre again, I would say, probably for a little bit. Uh, Shadow of, a Tr of Chernobyl is a little rough around the edges, especially today. Um, you can put out a lot of really, really good mods for it, but that's maybe more work than you're willing to do. Uh, whereas Call of Pripyat plays pretty well just, uh, you know, by itself today. Um, that is a game where that's like, you know, a big open world, lots of different ways to get through things, kind of directionless, and you can kind of do whatever you want. Um... Yeah, Human Revolution, Deus Ex, uh, the, the modern Deus Ex games, um, there was a lot of weird controversy around Mankind Divided, but my understanding right. is that if you yeah. ignore the, the you know the uh, publicity stunts and, and weird garbage they did around that, the actual game itself actually has some really coolest stuff in it. Uh, I never played the second one, or I guess which what is technically the fourth one. I only played Human Revolution. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I, I love Human Revolution, how like you play through the entire game, and at the end, there's literally a room with three buttons uh -huh. where you yep. pick which ending you want. Uh -huh. uh, yep. And then you can also be like, fuck this, and then you go down a long hallway, and there's another room with a button that basically that says, fuck everyone in this fucking game, everyone gets killed, including yes. you. Yep. And I hit that oh, one, cool. of course, because by the end I was like, I fucking hate this game, everyone dies. Yep. Like, that's the end. Similar to Prey, uh, Human Revolution has a, not, has a really contrived ending in terms of story, and also a really silly uh, final confrontation where that game basically becomes a zombie game for five minutes or something like that. It's very strange. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I pushed that out of my brain. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing that they do at the end. They did not know how to end that game. Um, <laughs> and the last one I would maybe say on... Oh, uh, the last two, actually, I would say, is uh, similar in terms of, like, it pushing the buttons of the world and just to see what happens and it just knowing to react to you. Metal Gear Solid Five is really, really good at this. That's a good... Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, that might be an immersive sim. Yeah, a little bit. It's like a kind of a third-person immersive sim in a lot of ways. You, you, at the end of the day, you basically just have two options, which is kill dudes or not kill dudes. But like the way you go about it is always so different and so and can be so yeah, unique. Sometimes, because... sometimes you can use a balloon. Sometimes mm -hmm. the balloon is a black hole. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Both of those statements are true. <laughs> 
Um, and then the other ones, uh, if you... I don't know how much you you and your brother care about, like, just modern graphics or anything like that, but the Thief games are available on GOG.com for, like, nine bucks. Uh, and those games are kind of like some of the early-er immersive sims, like, around the same time as your de your original Deus Ex and such. Uh, so probably Thief 3 Deadly Shadows is probably the one that holds up the best of the three. Um, but those are also very Dishonored-like. You can definitely see where Dishonored got a lot of its, you know, inspiration from the Thief yeah, trilogy. Yeah, the Bioshocks came basically out of the System Shock mm -hmm. lineage, and then the Dishonored games came basically out of the Thief right. lineage. Totally. Which is cool to think of it as like, oh, this part of the family tree, they're cousins, but they have certain, <laughs> you know, very, very uh, cool and distinctive bits and pieces. Uh, 100%, yeah. Uh, very much so. Uh, so I think I'm probably just gonna wrap it up there. Um, if everybody's all right with that, I got I gotta go choke people. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, com I'm competing this weekend. I gotta go choke. Heck people. yeah! It's be fun. Well, let me just say first, uh, <laughs> if you have any questions, oh comments, concerns, <laughs> criticisms about the dog, <laughs> if you want to like let uh, Drake know anything, I'm sorry. That's fine. It's super fine, Dad. Y'all don't worry about it at all. Um, you can reach out to us at podcast at fanbyte.com. Uh, and if you want to reach out to any of us individually, let's start with Danielle. You can reach out to Danielle on Twitter. At Danielle or I, where I can yell at my dog. Yeah. Uh, and you can find, uh, Nikki. Uh, on Twitter at Godzilla, G-O-D-S-E-W-A. And you can find Merritt on Twitter. Yeah, at Merritt K. Although I've been kind of taking a break for the last week or so. Fucking so, great uh, idea. Good. Who knows, who knows when I'll be posting again. Yeah. No one can actually stop the posts, but we can only hope to damn them up for so long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you can also find me, a person who has not been tweeting uh, very much for a long time on Twitter, but you can still follow me. I, I, I you know, post links to a lot of my favorite articles on the site every once in a while at Stephen Strom, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Fanbyte at Fanbyte Media on Twitter, or you can just go to fanbyte.com for all your needs, or go to twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Who knows? There's all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of things that you can watch and listen to and read and cool things. Cool things on the horizon, cool things in the past. It's worth your time. Uh, yeah, I think that'll probably do it for us this week. Until next time, I love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.